Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to Everything We Love About Disney, the Disney podcast with the description in the name because it's where we talk about everything we love about Disney. I am one of your hosts, Tommy T, joined as always by my lovely soon-to-be wife, Gina. Gina, welcome to the show. Why, thank you. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back. So we're here for episode three. No big housekeeping to go through. I think we're going to jump right into... Uh, this episode's topic, and it is a fun one. It is one that I don't see talked about quite too often, which is why I'm excited to talk about it. And it is the Millennium Celebration that took place at Walt Disney World from 1999 through the year 2000. Uh, I guess let's just start at a very high level. You know what? I want to get Gina. I want to get your, <laughs> like, when you think of the Millennium Celebration, what kind of comes to mind just as far as like what do you feel when I say that when I bring that up yeah so I actually I get very emotional thinking about this topic and this is something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time but it's also something that I wanted to talk about I guess cautiously um, because it was um, part of the first trip that my family ever took Um, we went for the first time October of 99, literally when it first started. And, um, you know, I didn't know any different. I thought that this was how Walt Disney World was. But the fact that we were kids and gearing up for a new millennium and a a brand new, you know, century, I know was a big deal, um, which at the time was kind of lost on me. But um, it's just a really, I, I think about it, I think about how I felt how much of a big deal it was to go to Disney as a family for the first time. It was my first time on a plane. You know, anytime I hear the music, um, I think about the planning video that we have that I could practically, like, recite from memory. Um, It's all very emotional to me. It's all very tied up in my family and, and my Disney experience. So I'm ready. Yeah, I feel really similarly. I mean, I was going all through the 90s to Walt Disney World, but I think that the very late 90s and and early 2000s is where you really start to form some of those memories that are a little more adult and mature. You're starting to really grasp what's going on around you. And like you mentioned, the turn of the millennium thing was a big thing for everybody, Uh, Y2K and whatnot. It, it, It was sort of everywhere. So um, Walt Disney World was no different. And one thing that I forgot to mention up front is that one of the reasons why I want to do this topic and do it now is because, you know, with Illuminations, Reflections of Earth closing, that's sort of the last remnant of this era of Epcot. Um, you know, over the years, I've come to really appreciate, of course, the Epcot of the 80s and the early 90s, the Epcot Center era, all that great stuff. But like Gina said, for us, like this was kind of our Epcot for a long time, and, and we're sort of closing the book on that. Um, which, you know, is, is bittersweet, certainly. Um, looking forward to many of the things coming down the way. But, you know, sad to see the, the last of this kind of say goodbye. Yeah, so 20 years later, yeah. in, in Disney fashion, we're finally <laughs> um, ending the celebration of the new millennium. And, yeah, to Tommy's point, we're, we're looking ahead to the future and seeing what Disney has in store for this park. But, um, you know, for the last several years, it's been really nice to kind of feel like our childhood park has still been around. But uh, even even me, um, someone who doesn't really like change in the parks <laughs> most of the time, I know I need to get there, but um, it's it's necessary at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, 
if you're not going to do those micro changes of keeping the little things up to date, you kind of have to do a, a clean, clean kind of slate. So mm-hmm. we'll get into the more of the future of Epcot, I think, as we as we go. But so let's let's back up again and just give an overview of what this event was for you, you, those of you that might not be familiar or might be fuzzy on the details or forget the details. Or we're too young to or too be young. around I know. For it. I mean, think about it. If you were born the day it opened, you are turning 20 this month oh or my God. this year. So that's, you know, very likely that you weren't around to really appreciate this for what it was. So, um, so this was a promotion launched by Disney. Launched on October 1st of 1999, the start of their fiscal year, so that you'll notice a lot of things launch on October 1st for them. And it lasted all the way through the year 2000 until January 1st, 2001, so um, one of your typical 15-month years for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just something I wrote down as I was sort of doing some research and info gathering on this was it kind of kicked off a lot of these celebrations that uh, Disney would do over the next decade or so. Some of the big ones that I wrote down being... The 100 Years of Magic celebration, which mm. was celebrating Walt Disney's 100th birthday. Yeah. The Happy Celebration on Earth, which was the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. And the Year of Million Dreams, which is really the 30 months or so of Million <laughs> Dreams, uh, 06 to 08, which was um, sort of just a pulled out of nowhere thing when they did a, I don't know, maybe we'll do a whole show on New Year of Million Dreams, but um, they basically just gave out a million dreams to people <laughs> coming to Disney Yeah, parts. it was a pretty cool promotion. It was fun. I really enjoyed that one as well, but it just, uh, yeah. Um, kind of out there and this one was it was different for this one Millennium because it was grounded in this thing we were all kind of celebrating all over the world right the turn of the Millennium like we're a very select generation that we get to got to experience that yeah a thousand years go by and it's pretty it's pretty amazing so you know we don't even know what they were doing at the turn of the first Millennium because that was like the dark ages we don't have <laughs> records of that so it's, it's pretty cool we were like the first culture to have a real global celebration of, of this milestone. Well put. Um, so yeah, Disney really went all in for this one. Uh, they even had the Super Bowl that year, uh, February of 2000, where the Super Bowl was themed after this Millennium Celebration. That just shows like how much they leaned into it as their big draw for Walt Disney World that year was all about Millennium. And anyone who hasn't seen this footage, definitely highly recommend looking it up on YouTube or wherever else you can find it. It is hilarious. It's very much the zeitgeist of the time. Like, we're talking Christina Aguilera and... Yeah, you know, I should have wrote it down. uh, Enrique Iglesias and, like, Pep... Was they also worked in... Uh, Phil Collins doing Tarzan music at the same time. So, like, (laughs) all right, we're getting the most bang for our buck here. We're going to do Millennium. And we're going to do Tarzan. <laughs> the newest movie to promote. Right, exactly. And of course, the styles are hilarious. And uh, you can catch a glimpse of um, some of the puppetry and things that was in the um, the parade. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes, yes. So this, um, so just real quick, the, the performance were Phil Collins, Christina Aguilera, and Enrique Iglesias. Tony Braxton was the one you missed. And oh then Edward James Almost was the narrator. And yeah, it was the theme was Tapestry of Nations, which again, like Gina just said, we'll talk about it. So they did Reflections of Earth music. They did Celebrate the Future Hand in Hand, which was the uh, theme for the celebration, the Tapestry of Nations music. And then why not? It's a little bit of Phil Collins doing Two Worlds. Uh, finishing off was Tony Braxton with We Go On from Reflections of Earth. So All amazing. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's definitely worth looking up. You can find it on YouTube pretty easily. So... 
with the celebration in Walt Disney World, Epcot was the center of everything going on there. So that's why we associate Epcot with it so much. Yeah. Uh, we went back and watched the planning VHS tape uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was so much of the centerpiece was that, like, after the intro for, like, what is Walt Disney World, they went right into Epcot. They skipped Magic Kingdom and go to Epcot first. That really is telling of how, like, much they leaned into this. Anyone else who, uh, like, our family grew up um, mailing away for these planning videos, the second I saw the first minute of this movie, I just immediately started crying because we used to watch it so often. And even when we got back from our trip, we would watch it. As we were planning for our next trip, like it, it wasn't even a year that went by, I think, that we went again. Um, and so we have all of these like family inside jokes and memories tied into this video. So it was just really special to know that somebody else felt that way, too, and posted it um, on YouTube so that we could watch it. And if you look that up, yeah, you it really gives a great overview of what it was all about. And I mean, I think that's why we loved watching those videos back in the day, but it was because... It, they did a great job of, of just bringing you there to the park, right. to, to the um, from the aesthetic, from to the shows, to the attractions, to the food, and all that kind of good stuff. They they did a great job, and I think do they still make those. I don't know what they still do now. I don't know. They did for a long time. They it did, yeah. you know, a video cassette turned into a DVD. Yep. So I don't know what they do these days. Probably upload to YouTube. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> like, definitely not a physical copy. I'm sure, yeah. but no, who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe. Another cool aspect of this video is that Animal Kingdom was still relatively new as a park. It's very new, yeah. So um, not even realizing that, too. Like, we we just happened to plan our family trip at the best possible time yeah, of yeah. going to Disney. They are really... I mean, this is the end of, the, you know, Michael Eisner's Disney decade, and they were still pumping the money in at that time. <laughs> so lots going on. Thanks, Michael Eisner. <laughs> um, so, yeah, going into the details, I guess, of Millennium, especially at Epcot... Uh, the aesthetic is really unique and really just, I mean, it's of the time, I'd say, with the, the these sort of colors. How would you even describe these colors? Like the the sort of red, like the rusty red and the rich blues. And yeah, the, I so I would say that the 90s was all about um, tribal mm-hmm. patterns and colors. And anyone who went to Wolfgang Puck, for example, before it got renovated, like, you'll know what I mean. Like, lots of fun, bold yep. um, textures and patterns. and Rough is another word I'd probably use, right? Yeah. Like, like, like messy almost. Yeah, right. Like, unlike the clean, sophisticated, almost severe look that is very in style right now, it was just... Um, it was just a lot going on, yes, I guess. Yes, busy. Busy, another yeah. Another word, yeah, yeah. Um, so... A lot of that had to do with also the theme of blending of cultures. Everything, you know, there weren't specific cultures being displayed here. It was sort of like this is the global culture. Right. So that also had to do with them bringing in lots of different colors and everything from African tribal drums to like, I don't know, you'll see Asian influence in the music. You'll see American jazz influence in the aesthetics. Like you'll see prehistoric. Yeah, it's really everything you could think of is sort of just rolled into one with the aesthetic and that's Epcot, you know, so it yeah. made a lot of sense to this short of shift from the, the future world focus to the world showcase focus. That's another yeah. thing you could say happened here. Loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, something I wrote down is just a little quote from that planning video, and I think from a lot of the commercials and sort of stuff that they were putting out at the time, which is, 
the opening ceremonies of the new millennium every day, every night at Epcot. And I think that really encapsulates what they were trying to do with the, the show elements, the parades of fireworks, which we'll dive into shortly. Um, yeah, I mean, it reminds you of the Olympic ceremony. Yeah. Um, and that echoes through the Illuminations mm-hmm. um, fireworks show yeah. where they have the big um, torch. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, we'll, let's let's save that for our big finale. Okay. If you will, if you will. <laughs> okay. As it is the finale of the, of the ceremony. So I want to start then. Or not start, but get into now the the first thing. First thing you'll notice if you were to drive up to Epcot in the year 2000, you might be thinking to yourself, "Oh, I'm excited to see that giant. What is that giant hand doing on Spaceship Earth?" And it was there to remind you that yes, this was the place to be. A giant Mickey hand on top of Spaceship Earth with the word uh, the numbers 2000 there uh it was 25 stories tall which adds like a lot more than the the height of space i'm not sure how much taller it made it but it was like a big big structure and a bit controversial i would say yeah it's funny because having not known it before and having that be my first entree into Epcot, I thought that that's how it always looked. And so Mm. I loved it. (laughs) And I was one of those people who liked the Epcot version where it literally said Epcot after the 2000s. Um, But... (laughs) I was not. (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone else would agree. I I just, you know, wasn't ready to stop celebrating, I guess. I I get that. Um, You know, it's a lot of people like the the, the Hollywood Studios hat, and that to me was an abomination. And I would actually agree... I did not like it either. Yeah. Um, we can do a whole other show on the Hollywood Studios MGM changes yeah. and whatnot. But we should. We should. We will. Um, <laughs> I think when it's like closer to done, maybe, like with maybe another phase of this re- redo, then we can kind of like Ugh. properly look back on it. Good point. Um, but yeah, the 2000, I didn't mind it so much when it was 2000. And then later after the thing ended, it's like, well, we're going to get our money's worth out of the structure. And they just changed it to say the word Epcot in case you forgot where you were, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, at that point, it just felt gratuitous and gaudy to me. I was very happy the day they started taking it down. I was <laughs> celebrating. Must have been a lot of work to put up. Yeah. No, I get the wanting to get your money's worth out of it, but... At the same time, like, it just was, I don't know. Yeah. It didn't do it for me. Yeah. So another thing, the next thing you'd notice as you walked into the park were the Leave a Legacy, um, what do you even call those things? Structures? I don't know. Um, there were, like... I call them tombstones. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> so looks like another thing that went away just this year, 20 years later, they were actually designed by the one of the lead designers in Epcot, John Hench, who, you know, he goes back all the way to, well, the beginning of Walt Disney World. He's one of the all-time Imagineers. If you're not familiar with John Hench, look him up. But I wouldn't say he did a bad job on this. I, I kind of like them. Um, I think given what he was tasked with, yeah. this is the the best outcome. And, and given the... Yeah, so you got to make a lot of, a bunch of concrete look pretty. This is, yeah. this is you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but... You know, I think it could have been worse. It could have been better, probably. It was a fun idea. If you're not familiar, you basically could get your picture taken and then it would be digitally scanned and then printed onto these giant stone tablets, I guess. 
and it was meant to create this mosaic of everybody that visited the park during this um, William celebration, though they kept doing it for many years after. I think yeah. for at least 10 years after. I remember going back in the late 2000s, and they were still doing it. I never got one. You didn't we either, never right? got one either. Um, we didn't yeah, feel uh, the need, I guess. I think for us, it was just like, it was you can get two people on there, and we were a family of five, so like, we were like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> it never made sense. Although, I think for the longest time, anyone who knew um, the band NSYNC... Yes, they had, five, they had their own little... They had a leave a legacy yeah. of the band, and anyone who knew where it was could just very easily walk to that pillar yeah, that and fun. just point it out. Yep. But, and they're, you know, they're big Disney fans, especially Joey Fatone. You'll see him around. I saw him at Well, they, Yeah, they, they're Orlando based, yep. so yep. made sense. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sad to see them go, to be honest. No, and my understanding is they took off the actual photos, and those are to be relo- relocated. Yeah, somewhere. supposedly. Not the, not the giant tablets, but the just the, indiv- like just the actual panels. Just outside the park, I guess. Yeah, so they're going to put them outside in this new entrance plaza, I guess. We'll see you know, how that goes, but that's cool that that gets to be preserved. I mean, it's probably going to go the way of the the tiles. Eventually, yeah. At Magic Kingdom, yeah. which were recently displaced, which I think was sad for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we never did that either, but yeah. I would be, I'd be bummed if we had. Yeah. We'll probably sell a bunch of new ones afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Disney way. It is. So the next thing I want to talk about is the Millennium Village, and this was located in between the Canada and UK pavilions, and was essentially just a big expo space that allowed them to add an additional 20 or so countries to World Showcase with these sort of temporary exhibits that, you know, just let them expand World Showcase, Mm -hmm. essentially. Some of the countries were Brazil, Chile, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Scotland, Sweden, and a lot of them were actually sponsored by the countries that were being represented, so they got to make their own little interactive experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, like I was gonna say, you didn't, you don't remember this as much. I don't really remember it, but I do want to talk about the food and wine festival and what it looked like back then. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I don't have memories of that. So, why don't you tell me about <laughs> what you? Because I didn't go during that time. I always went in the beginning of the year. Oh. So we went in like February or March most of the time. So yeah. I never got to experience food and wine until much later in life, actually. Wow. So, yeah, until I was like probably 18, 19. So. Yeah, so I don't quite remember this pavilion, and I guess I would have to talk to my parents to see if we did go in. We must have, but it's not really coming to mind because I'm sure I'd get it confused at this point with Interventions, which used to be much more active back then. It's a similar feel, for sure. Yeah. Uh, More cultural, of course. But um, let me tell you, the Food and Wine Festival was still in its early stages back then, and it had way less options, way less pavilion, or I guess you could call them booths. Yep. Um forget what disney calls them officially but yeah yeah booths yeah but they were literally just pop-up stands with like it's not cardboard but it was essentially (laughs) just like a sign on the top of the stand that had the name of the country maybe like a tiny little logo to represent an aspect of that country and then just the list of menu items that it provided and that was it mm-hmm. nowadays it is a it is a fully fledged like structure 
semi-permanent structure that seems to be there three quarters of the year. It is, yeah. Um, the four celebrations, most a lot of them are. Yeah, I mean every every season but summer at this point. Yeah. Um, so thinking back, you know, I just have a memory in my mind of looking at the Spain booth and having it be like very bare bones. They had very limited menu items, maybe like a paella and a wine and like one other dish, but. It's just amazing how that festival has evolved and has been around for so long. Yeah, so dropping, I don't know, it depends on where I put stuff out, but I'm doing a one-minute Disney video that's the history of food and wine festivals. Mm. So that'll give you a little one-minute overview, but it's become one of like the marquee things of Epcot and of Disney World, so it's pretty interesting. I would say that all of the festivals just out of nostalgia's sake <laughs> and the fact that I've been going for so long it's my favorite yeah me too me too and the fact that we both love food <laughs> yeah the food helps and it's really good yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a whole episode on food and wine for yes. sure yes so next up I think is I want to talk about the days before the the parade of uh, matching t-shirts and half-drawn college program uh <laughs> students was uh, the only parade you could see in Epcot. You could see an actual parade and it was called Tapestry of Nations and this was the one that launched with the Millennium Celebration and kind of embodies like along with Reflections of Earth kind of embodies the entire aesthetic and message of the celebration. Yes. Uh, the, the sort of main feature of it were these elaborate puppets that were designed by Michael Curry who you've seen his work in The Lion King on Broadway Finding Nemo the Musical at Animal Kingdom, the Frozen show at Disneyland, I think maybe Frozen on Broadway as well, uh, and five Cirque du Soleil shows, and most recently the Rivers of Light show, he did the design work on that. So this guy is, you know, he is the kind of puppet guy, right? And the thing with these puppets is that they were, I don't know, it's hard, you really need to look this up, I and mean, we can't describe it over a podcast, but they were operated by a person who kind of stood underneath and operated the arms and maybe some other appendages depending on the design of the puppet and it would kind of interact with the crowd and and almost like a character performer but they were very beautiful and just just a cool thing i don't know they're very different yeah so i think people were way less sensitive about um crowd control back then um i think the crowds were not as what they are today even but um Essentially, these puppets would reach out and touch member of the audiences, and today I think that would probably not happen. Yeah. Um, but just the fact that you had that interaction and you were a part of the experience, much more... I mean, I, I guess to a degree, Magic Kingdom has that, where um, the the dancers are coming up to you and talking to you, and you know, you're know you feeling yeah. like you're dancing and along with the show, but this... This, ha- this had a more tactile um, aspect to it, and I remember some of it. I remember more of it thanks to the the video that yep. we used to watch all the time, but according to my mom, I did talk to her recently about it, and she said <laughs> it made her very nervous because the crowds <laughs> the crowds were very... It, it, it was it was intense. Yeah, it wasn't really set up for this. I don't think they ever really thought this would be something that would happen at World Showcase, so... You know, it will kind of just disrupt the entirety of World Showcase. And what happened, I mean, you can go in and watch some videos and breakdowns and stuff, but it kind of happened in three different sections across World Showcase, so they kind of 
crowd control, but you know, there's only one way in or out. It's not like some of the other areas of Walt Disney World where there's different arteries leading leading away from it. So it was disruptive, and that's probably why we haven't seen a World Showcase parade in some time. I probably never will again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just something I wanted to go back to the puppets on for just one second, and you mentioned how it's kind of similar to what you'll see at Magic Kingdom and stuff, and absolutely. But what I love about these is that, you know, when you see whatever, you know, it's really fun when the evil stepsisters are walking through the crowd, or like Cruella DeVille, or you see, you know, Chip and Dale, and Mickey Mouse, and Aladdin, and Ariel, whoever. I love it, but it's very much just like, oh, there they are. Like, you, you just sort of see them, these characters familiar with them move along. But with Tapestry of Nations, you saw these, like, strange, artistic uh, personifications of different cultures, and you had to stop and think. You're like, oh, why is this here? What does this mean? What are they trying to say with these different designs? Oh, this one has angel wings, and this one, I don't know, there are different colors and sizes and shapes, and they're just trying to like show the diversification of people, I guess. Yeah, very symbolic, yep. very dreamlike. Um, yes. It was Yep. unlike anything before or since that yep. Disney has created for the parks. And that's a great segue into probably the most memorable for us uh, aspect of the spray, which is the music. And you know, I was doing some research on it. It's written by Gavin Greenaway. You'll hear his name again later. Uh, but something interesting about it is that the lyrics, which you'll notice as it's the closing song of our uh, of this podcast, but they don't use a real language. It is just syllables that could kind of be mistaken for lots of different languages throughout. And that's really, again, brings that whole idea of we're all one culture together. And uh, a great use of the drums and brass and vocals. And it's just a beautiful score. It's a celebration of humanity, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. I think to this day, it is my favorite music that has ever come out of Disney. Wow. Beyond the Epcot um, existing... <laughs> music in the parks yeah. at future world yeah. and world showcase love it and then just one last note i wrote on here was that i love the drummer on the uh, <laughs> there was this one float that had this huge rotating apparatus that was covered in drums and he would kind of drum along as these drums rotated in front of him it was very clever yeah it was really cool really cool centerpiece uh so the parade lasted for the duration of the celebration but then it went on, kind of continued on in a different sort of form as tapestry of dreams mm -hmm. which then uh tied into that walt disney 100 years of magic celebration do you remember this i do remember it being called tapestry of dreams yeah but then there's like an they use like some of the same stuff but some different stuff and they tied it into walt disney and it kind of worked and kind of didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another another, another uh, <laughs> leftover example another, of yeah. trying to hold on to a celebration and trying to use every yeah you know, use every dollar as far as it'll go basically <laughs> yeah but, yeah so that would eventually go away there in the early two thousands but yeah I think it is one of my favorite sort of things they ever did is Tapestry of Nations I don't know it's just so different and. Like you said, it's it's totally unique and and as far as Disney music and aesthetics kind of go. So let's talk about the you know I'll do one quick transition will be I think I mentioned earlier the celebrate the future hand in hand music which could be heard and 
I guess it was the marketing song, but it can be heard inside of Tapestry of Nations, and that was sort of the, the mm. theme song uh, for for this celebration. But that, you know, talking about music is going to lead us into the granddaddy, the big finale, <laughs> which is Illuminations, which is Illuminations Reflections of Earth, originally called Illuminations 2000 Reflections of Earth, eventually dropping the 2000. So when I bring up this firework show, you tried to bring it in early, and I was ma- I made you wait. <laughs> so now you had a chance to gather your thoughts. What do, what do you think of when I bring up Illuminations Reflections of Earth? It's my favorite firework show, and that's purely based on the fact that I have grown up with this show, and I think a lot of people our age would say the same. You know, I was 10 years old when I first saw it, and I'm 30 now, and the fact that I was fortunate enough to go to Disney the first time, and then our family made a decision to try to go once a year, henceforth. Um, The fact that, you know, in that time, I went to high school, I went to college, I became a professional, I ran a marathon and ran subsequent races with Run Disney and I found my future husband who also happens to love Disney like there's a lot of emotion in this for me and it's it's a part of my life and the fact that it's coming to a close I mean all good things must come to an end but it it was really like a big deal to finally call it quits, I guess. So I'm I'm a wreck over it, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 20 years is a good run. It's going to be exactly 20 years because it'll have its last performance September 30th, Ugh. 2019, uh, which will already have happened by the time you hear oh, this. God. But, uh, you know, October 1st will be turning over a temporary leaf. But <laughs> before we get into the kind of the future... Let's let's get a little into the nitty gritty on this fireworks show and what makes it so special. Um, I think we'll get to the music in a second, but just some of the technical details that I wrote down. It used a new firework technology called Air Launch, which let them launch and place the fireworks at exact time and moment. And I think we take this for granted sometimes, but I think that is part of what makes it revolutionary, really revolutionary. But also like the the emotion that we're feeling. I'm trying to tie the tech into into the emotion you're talking about because I think that. The show elements themselves, the fireworks and the lasers and the fountains, are all timed and designed so perfectly that just it's so cohesive. Yeah. And it's a very uh, powerful, with lots of big drum and just like these staccato hits of notes that lend itself so perfectly to these bursts of fireworks. And it could not be done the way it was done without this technology of just being able to have it done and have fireworks hit at that same moment, not possible. Yeah. So that is awesome. There is the Inferno Barge, which is used during the first portion of the show, which just blasts fire everywhere, basically. <laughs> you can see it. You can feel you it. You can feel it. You <laughs> feel like you are standing next to an oven. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. One thing I never got to see or even – I might have heard it once, but do you know about the burn-off? The Inferno Barge burn-off? No. So – they had to. Uh, I have. I have this great DVD, Modern Marvels, Walt Disney World, and it just talks about some of the great techno- technological things going on at the parks. Oh, cool! And one of them is this Inferno barge, and they have to fill this thing up with fuel, and the tank sits underwater, so it's safe, so that if there's leak or anything, it won't cause like a giant explosion. Not that it isn't already a giant explosion, but when you know it's people handling it, 
and then when they're going to take it off to refill it, they don't. They want to make sure it's totally empty, so they do the burn off, which is usually late at night. They will just hit a button, and it just burns off the rest of the fuel. Wow! And so there's just this extra big fireball, and I, I'm told that, especially used to have like the late three hour extra magic hour nights, which I never did as much of at Epcot as some of the other parks. You all of a sudden there'd be boom, a big fireball wow. coming out of nowhere, and you could hear it too if you were, you know, at the Epcot area resorts or something. But I never got to see that, unfortunately. But yeah, this thing was pretty impressive as far as um, the amount of fire it could put out. Right. Uh, and let's not forget the most important piece yeah, of let's the fireworks show. Is what? It's the globe. The globe, yes. The the. I want to. I'm gonna go back later, but let's talk about the globe because that is like the the big finale of the firework. Really revolutionary video globe again pumping the technology into this thing. I guess it was the world's first spherical video screen, which today sounds kind of like, really? Like, we see crazy screens all the time, but this was, I mean, LED and stuff was still new or not even a thing. Yeah, to think about 20 years of technology, the acceleration that we have experienced in the in the past, like yeah. even five years, is unparalleled, I think, in, in our, like, society. But just the fact that 20 years ago, that was considered new technology. Like, computers were really just starting to... Yeah, really just starting to in- invade our everyday lives. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Google had barely launched when this show... Yeah, started. I mean, we think barely had, like, I mean, Google, AOL. I think, launched in 98, I think. Yeah, anyone Amazon who's... launched around this time, so, like, these things that we take for granted today. Amazon, which was just, like, for books. Yeah, it was like, we have a warehouse of books that we're selling on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone, uh, to go back to the globe itself, um, anyone who was fortunate enough, like, mid to late afternoon, maybe taking a stroll around World Showcase and would find over by the Africa section... That oh my gosh the the um, drawbridge. the drawbridge has lifted and we we have to stand back because we have to let the globe out and yep. onto the world showcase lagoon for the night like that was always kind of exciting yeah to be that close to it was really cool yeah to see it right there and then you know it was a really complicated piece of technology it still is it's still malfunction just because it's so big and hard to maintain I know every time the globe um, starts spinning out into the lagoon for its like journey it's its main act on the show i mean it's just like watching a person it's like oh i hope you do it tonight <laughs> I, know, I hope right? it works break a leg buddy we were yeah. <laughs> here for you and when it doesn't work it's like oh this screen's broken or yeah. oh my gosh it didn't open or oh the i'm glad you said that because that's the thing to me so it's it's showing these great scenes of humanity of nature of culture and then at the very end the screen uh, the globe, I should say, opens up to reveal this this final torch. And before I, I mean, not before, but like as I talk about that, I want to like just go back through the show real the quick program. and talk about how fire is a big part of illuminations. We kind of just jump right into the show itself, but something that I hope is done in some way with the new shows to come. I mean, I'm at this point, like, I don't want them to just mimic the same thing. Like, give me something totally new. But something really special about Illuminations was also the pre-show, which is really just at, starting at 8.30, half an hour before the show would start. The music would change to this uh, cross-world showcase would be the same to this sort of, again, tribal but techno. It was this cool sort of heart-pumping music. 
and with like lots of different cultural influences. Yeah. And then the torches around World Showcase Lagoon would light. Yeah. For the half hour before, and at that moment, the the park kind of changes. You're like, oh, something's we're, we're, happening. Yeah, like we're being we're part of something now. Like, it's where the the sort of divi- like I feel this that the divisions between the countries in World Showcase, not that they're like walls literally, but they kind of go away. Like, you're just in World Showcase yeah. now. And it's like, oh, we're all, like, taking part of this ritual, which is the way it's it's introduced to us as we go into the the narration that opens it, done by the one and only Jim Cummings, who's just everywhere at Disney. Another person to look up if you don't know him. Winnie the Pooh in, in the modern uh You won't takes. be able to unhear it I once know, you know, know that. He does sound like Winnie the Pooh when he does. <laughs> but, or more like Tigger, I think, because he does both. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Just to prove how much of a nerd I am, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. So the, the opening narration is, Good evening and welcome. We've gathered here tonight around the fire as people of all lands have gathered for thousands and thousands of years before us to share the light and to share a story. An amazing story as old as time itself, but still being written. And though each of us have our own individual stories to tell, a true adventure emerges as we bring them all together as one. We hope you enjoy our story tonight, Reflections of Earth. I'm a huge nerd. I just did that. Snaps for Tommy. Uh, that's, I did Snaps not write that Tommy. down. I did not even listen to it recently. I swear that just is how big of a dork I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of the only context we get for the, the show itself until the last song. Um, where, you know, we have... Sorry, so the most important part of that, the coolest part of that opening narration is it ends with... You hear a... As all of the torches around the lagoon go dark and the show begins. And fire becomes a theme uh, gathered around the fire. We have the fire bars that happens. We have fire, of course, throughout the show. And as we reach the finale, the torches relight... And the globe opens, and there's a torch in the middle of the globe, and all of this, all of this is very symbolic, and it's something that I, again, I hope that they're able to do with the new shows to still give us these sort of themes and, and um, symbolic gestures and aesthetics and, and show elements that, you know, all the countries lighting up with the white lights, it's very, you know, I think it's a, it's a really powerful message that they're sending and i think the reason it's been able to last as long as it has is that it transcends cultures to tie it all back together transcends time it's timeless transcends time yeah exactly like you it is just as modern now as it was 20 years ago and the themes are just as important if not more so than ever yeah i'm just thinking about it's a small world is very similar it's a very much like the evolution of It's a Small World, which is we're all part of one right. world. And I think in this day and age, um, the the topic and the theme of storytelling is something that we all try to do, both in our personal lives and our professional lives. I think it brings us all closer together, and it's something that we can all celebrate. And Yeah, going back to that intro, yeah. we're all telling our individual stories, and, and all those individual, individual stories kind of weave together into this bigger story that we're all a part of. Right. And the and to tie it in personally, <laughs> you know, the two of us are so personally connected to the Millennium Celebration and to this idea of storytelling in our 
personal lives, yeah. and here we are, 20 years later, about to get married, you know, the same month of that's this true. It is celebration. Yes, yes. You know, this is a this is a very um, big anniversary for me in particular because it's the 20th anniversary of our first family trip, and it also happens to be the same Columbus Day weekend that Tommy and I are getting married. So I'm celebrating a lot of life milestones in Walt Disney World, and I I have the Millennium Celebration to thank for that. Wow, that's I mean that's pretty powerful stuff. If you ask me. Yeah. Well, anything else that kind of comes to mind in this discussion, I'm going to try to think for me, but I think that, you know, Illumination sort of caps this thing off. It is the finale of of your day at the Millennium Celebration at Epcot, and for 20 years it's been the finale of your day at Epcot, no matter what you were doing. And, you know, just to go into the future, I guess we've got this Epcot forever temporary show which i just love to say because it makes no sense but i am looking forward to it i think i'm going to cry the whole time and then we're gonna get harmonious which you know seems to be similar in theme which i'm hoping i'm just hoping that the the disney songs aren't shoved down our throat too severely (laughs) as someone who loves disney music i don't you know i i I think that this podcast shows how much I appreciate when they step out of their comfort zone and do something a little bit different. And I'm hoping that's what we what we see. I, th- I hope that they do right by Illuminations with this new show, and I, I think that's important. Yeah, so Illuminations Reflections of Earth has had a great run, but we're just as they told us 20 years ago to look forward to the future, I think we have to carry that message as we prepare for, you know, the ending of one chapter and the starting of a new one. We've got a whole new century out there, as (laughs) (laughs) as Carousel of Progress says. Yep. But, yeah, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this episode. I think this was great. I'm glad. I mean, honestly, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was to have this episode. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Gina, I didn't uh, give you a chance to properly. I know. I guess we're not. We haven't figured out our intros and outros just yet. But why don't you give a quick plug for Will Run for Disney? Yeah. So uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about Run Disney or is interested in making a lifestyle change, uh, my website is willrunfordisney.com, and I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Will Run for Disney blog. And then, of course, follow the Diz Quiz for updates on this show, for the Diz Quiz game show, for One Minute Disney, all the good stuff happening over here with the Diz Quiz Season 2. But until next time, I have been Tommy T. And I've been Gina. And we will see you real soon. See you real soon. Bye-bye.